0: The Christmas season is not, uh, is always susceptible to the same thing. So while I started out with Isaiah 61, I didn't finish with Isaiah 61. So we had to change the scripture late last night. So I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of John today. The very first chapter starting with the sixth verse and we're going to skip further down into John and start again with the 19th verse. So as we read this scripture up, I'm going to ask you to rise as we read from the Gospel of John. Follow along with me in your Bibles or up on the screen. Starting with the sixth chapter, John writes these words, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And now if you'll move down with me to the 19th verse. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leader sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This is God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And would you bow your heads with me, please? Gracious Father, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to be receptive at this time. Help us to to clear out everything else that we are thinking about and simply focus on you. And so often, as a servant of the Lord, I come forward and I ask that I might hide myself in the shadow of the cross. But this day, let me ask that I might hide myself in the shadow of a little manger that we celebrate and wait for the coming of the Christ. We prepare the way. Help us to be patient and always trust in you. In the name of that child, that little baby, that Savior, I ask these things. Amen. You know, as a child, I could remember that the most difficult part of Christmas was waiting on Christmas. After Thanksgiving, everything focused on Christmas. Nowadays, of course, starts about the middle of August, and you start thinking about Christmas. You ever had one of those things where you, you open it up and it has days that you open up after Thanksgiving, one day, two day, three day, all the way to Christmas, always looking for something, always expecting, you might have might have toys in there, or might have a star, nativity set, or the wise men. Of course, sometimes I'd cheat. I'd go all the way to Christmas. I was so anxious to get to Christmas. I just simply didn't want to wait. The time itself seemed to stand still after Thanksgiving. And I think the younger you are, the more it stands still. The older you are, the faster it seems to go. You know, waiting in our society is really a a foreign characteristic. It seems rather unnatural to all of us because all of us hunger for immediate gratification. The idea of delayed satisfaction is strange to our way of thinking. It's something we can't quite get used to. And the symbols of our unwillingness to wait are around us all over. Look in Danville alone. Tell me, tell me how many fast food restaurants are here in Danville. Tell me how many you frequented this week. Because we just simply don't have time to eat, or we don't make the time to eat. We stand in a crooked line, or we stand in our, sit in our cars in a crooked line, and we order our food, and it comes out in five minutes, and we're so hungry we eat it in five minutes, and then we just keep on going. We go back into the rat race. Matter of fact, If we don't go on vacation, perhaps maybe to the beach, we don't even take time to read a book. I know that's what I love to do when I go to the beach, is read a book, but a lot of us don't even take time to do that during our normal work days. Perhaps it's a sign of the time that we have so many versions of the Bible. we got a version for almost everything. I usually read out of the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. Well, we have umpteen versions, and if you don't have time to read the Bible, well, just pop in a CD. You can have somebody else read the Bible to you, because you don't have time, and you're not about to wait. And how about all the gadgets we have, things that make new and improved, things that make things happen faster, especially in the kitchen? How many of you remember before there was a Mr. Coffee? Do you remember that? Do you remember how we had to make coffee and percolate it? I know some of you are probably looking around. You mean there was a time before Mr. Coffee? And now, now what do we have? We got curric! We got our little individual cup of our favorite coffee. We just pluck it in. It's instantaneous. We can never have it too fast. Soon we'll all lie in beds and the coffee will just be poured into our mouths right after we open our eyes. When we're sick, we want to be made well immediately. And medicine and doctors and even pastors, you better really be quick because people don't have time for you. Now, I'm like you. I accept this no-wait approach, but I don't think it's right. I don't think it's good. I think the truth of the matter is even though we don't like to wait, life is about waiting. Maybe that's why we don't like to wait, that life... Is about waiting. If any of you work, you gotta wait for a payday, right? And when you're there at work, you gotta wait for a break, right? And then you gotta wait for quitting time so you can go off and go home. And even if you don't work, you gotta wait for the mail, because the mailman's not gonna operate on your time, he's gonna operate on his. And for all of you going out Christmas shopping, for all of you who are gonna take advantage of these last seven days, You better be prepared to wait. Because you're going to have to wait in lines to buy your present. And if you're going to have somebody else wrap it, you're going to have to wait in that line for them to wrap it. You probably had to wait for a parking space to park your car. And heaven knows if you go to Fayette Mall, you're going to have to wait through four red lights just to get out of the parking lot onto a road that actually moves. You're going to have to wait. So you better be prepared to wait. Because that's what it's about. Now, of course, there are more serious matters that we wait for. Some of us are waiting for our health to return. Some of us are waiting for economic assistance because we're having a rough time making ends meet. Some of us are waiting for marriage or remarriage or just a good, solid Christian relationship. Some of us are waiting for peace in our lives because our lives are so chaotic. Maybe you're like a scared child that's waiting for the dawn, or maybe you're like a scared adult who's waiting for the diagnosis from a doctor, or maybe you're like an expectant mother waiting for the arrival of a son or a daughter. Waiting can be absolute, pure agony, and yet we need to wait. The problem is that when we go to the scripture, we find out immediately that our time is not God's time. God doesn't work on our clock. God doesn't work the way we would like him to work. His clock is wound differently than ours. Our seconds are ages to God, and we need to get used to that. No, Not hurrying is one of God's true characteristics. God knows how to wait. And often he asks his people, that's you and I, to wait also. And I think that's where the story of Christmas really begins. When we look at all the characters involved, it's what the story of Christmas is all about. Because for thousands and thousands of years, the chosen people were waiting for a king. They were waiting for a messiah. They were waiting for somebody who would take them out of their misery and out of their sorrow, who would lift them triumphantly over their enemies. They were waiting for a king, of course, an earthly king, not a heavenly king. But they were waiting. Long before Jesus ever walked the face of the earth, the people of God, the Jews, they were told that a great Savior would come. And if you go back into the Bible and you look, And you start with the Old Testament, you see again and again and again, the signs are there. The virgin conception is found in Isaiah chapter 7. The city of his birth, Bethlehem, is found in Micah chapter 5. The family's flight to Egypt is found in Hosea chapter 11. The ministry of John the Baptist is found in Malachi chapter 3. The casting of lots for His clothes, the thirst on the cross, His pierced side. Those are found in Psalm 22 and Psalm 34 in Zechariah 1. And His death and His resurrection and His ascension. Those are found in Isaiah 53 and Deuteronomy 21. Psalm 18, Second Samuel 7. You'll find them again and again and again. And then go to the New Testament. The New Testament you'll find dozens and dozens of prophecies referring back to the Old Testament, saying, yes, he's coming. Trust in me. Wait on me. He is coming. And I point this all out to you to know that waiting is a part of our faith. Waiting on God's timing, his perfect timing, is a part of our faith. Our brothers and sisters in Judaism are still waiting. They are still waiting for what they were been promised in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we know that he has come. Sometimes we wait knowing that we will never see the fruition of that wait, knowing that it will be our children or our children's children that will really know what that is all about, that really will bear what we have planted. Abraham waited for a son for years and years and years that God promised him. Matter of fact, didn't Abraham get a little impatient and decided he'd do things his way? And how did that turn out for us? Not too good. He was promised a son and he was told to wait. Moses had to wait for the promised land, a land that he would only see from afar. Mary, even being told by the angel Gabriel that she would bear a son, had to wait nine months. God can do anything. Why don't we just do that instantaneous? Here you go. Here's Jesus. No. We needed to wait. She and Joseph needed to wait. Even John the Baptist said, the one whose sandal I am not worthy to tie, the Messiah, had to wait. And we have to wait. We have to wait for that which we cannot see and trust that God will deliver. If you're looking at John the Baptist like we look in our scripture today, you have a good feel for what that waiting is all about because the people of John were anxious for a Savior. They were anxious for the Messiah. And here's John preaching. Jesus is in his 20s, and John is out there in the desert. He's a prophet warning about the wrath of God and the judgment that is yet to come and his message is harsh and it's a sharp rebuke on the religious responsibility of the day and the people are worked up in such a frenzy they're saying, John, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the Savior? They'd even go home and tell their friends and neighbors and gossip and say, yeah, this is the one we think this is the one but John would tell them again and again no, I am not he he You have to wait. I came to tell you about the light. He is still yet to come. The people pressed him. But he kept saying, no. It's not me. It's not me. John was simply preparing the way. Let me tell you a story. There was a woman who was extremely depressed, distraught, About her life, about her family's life, about the whole world around her, the chaotic, horrific world in which we live. She was frustrated. Her personal life seemed to be falling apart. Her family seemed to be falling apart. She was trying to cope. So, what did she do? Ladies, what did she do? She went out shopping. She went out shopping to the mall, went into a little store, a new store. She'd never seen it before there at the mall. And she was surprised when she saw Jesus behind the counter. She knew it was Jesus because his picture was just like the one in her Bible and in her devotional books. So she knew it was Jesus. And finally, she got up the courage to ask, are you Jesus? Jesus said, yes, I am. And he said, do you work in this store? He said, well, yes, yes. Uh, Actually, I own the store. Oh, she said. And what do you sell? Oh, I sell just about a little of everything, everything. Ooh, the woman said. She was excited now. He said, feel free to walk up and down the aisles. You're going to find all sorts of things. Make a list. See what you find that you want. And then you come back and I'll see what I can do for you. So sure enough, the lady took a pen and a notepad and she started going up and down the aisles, shopping feverishly. She found all sorts of things like peace on earth, no more war, no hunger, no poverty, no injustice. She walked further. She went down aisle B. She found peace for families, harmony, no dissension, good health, no drugs. She kept writing and writing and writing. She had a long list by the time she returned to the counter. And she laid her list down in front of Jesus. And he said, let me look over that. And he smiled at her and said, no problem. And then he shuffled under the counter for a few moments. And then on, he brought his hands forth and he laid out packets on the counter. And the woman said, what are these packets? And he said, those are seed packets. This is a catalog store. She says, you mean I don't get the finished product? No, no. I just give you the seeds. And then I ask for you to go home and plant them and water them and nurture them that somebody else might receive the benefits of what you have planted and nurtured. The woman said, oh, and she left the store without buying anything. You see, John the Baptist was planting seeds not only for the chosen people, but for all of us, all of us. It's a message that we need to wait and trust in God in the process of, So my question to you this Advent season, are you willing to plant the seeds that you're asking for? Are you willing to plant them and water them and nurture them even though you may never see the fruits of your labor? And if you're not willing to do that, who is? Who will? Are you willing to prepare the way And then to wait. To wait. This is the season of Advent. And for every Christian, it is a time of waiting. Whether we like that or not. Whether we agree with that or not. Perhaps it's an awkward season for us. Because we want it right now. We want it instantaneous. Just like going through McDonald's. I'll have a Big Mac, a large fry, and a large Coke. Let's go. Read the scripture. Put all the pieces in the nativity scene. Let's water the poinsettias. Turn on the lights. Unwrap the gifts. I got things to do, places to go, people to meet. We talk about being still and wanting to know God, but we don't have the patience to wait on Him. We don't have to take the time to wait on God and to listen. What he has to tell us each and every one of us we'd rather just be done with it all prepare the way light the the candles light the lights on the tree but the message of this advent and every advent is be prepared to wait to wait even the hymns that we sing do you let those just go by you O come, thou long-expected Jesus. How about the ones you just sang a minute ago? O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's about waiting, folks. It's not about instantaneous gratification and satisfaction. It's about waiting. It's about the day of fulfillment that is yet to come and that we need to trust in God that he will deliver. God's telling us, You need to wait. Stop looking at me as a McDonald's God that you can just drive through the drive-in and get whatever you want. I'll take that God and a large Coke and start remembering that this is a season of waiting and we're waiting on God's time, not ours. If you want a closer, more intimate relationship with God, you need to wait You need to be patient, and you need to be still. Slow down. I know that's difficult, especially for all of you who will go shopping this afternoon. Slow down. I know that's difficult, especially all of you who are going to rush out of here and go to lunch. Slow down. And wait on God, because he's waited on you. Be patient with God because he's already shown his divine patience for you. Let's stop talking about it and actually do it this Advent. Let's wait. Let me leave you with a story today. A story that many of you have experienced yourselves. And that's the birth of a child. The birth of a child. You know, when Laurie and I were expecting Sarah, our first, I remember going to the Lamaze classes and the doctor's appointments. I remember all that stuff. That was, it, was, it was thrilling, I think. It was a lot of fun. I remember the first ultrasound that we got. Now, you know, today they're incredible, but when Sarah was born, they were just like little Bobby images, you really couldn't tell. My daughter, she was just a blob. But we were thankful. She was a loving blob. Now now you can tell the sex, and you run all sorts of tests. You can do pregnancy diagnosis or pre-birth diagnosis. You can do all sorts of things. But then it was just a little blob, and I can remember seeing that and thinking, wow, the miracle of life. But, you know, we had to wait for the details. We didn't know what sex Sarah was. You know, these days, you know, well, what's sex? Well, yeah, we got to figure out what the sex is. We got to name. We got to decorate the baby's, you know, uh, room. We got to know exactly blue, pink. We did a lot of yellow, didn't we? Didn't we do a lot of yellow? Because we didn't know. We had to wait for the details. We had to wait. And we couldn't hurry it up. The appointed time was God's decision. Nothing that Laurie and I could do was going to speed that up one iota. But the day came. Laurie went into labor. And we had to wait some more. We waited and waited and waited. I'm helping her breathe, you know. Three, two, sixteen. You know, helping her breathe. And that was in the day Laurie had to have a C-section with Sarah. And they wouldn't let let the fathers come in because it was considered... Major surgery at that time. Today, you know, I think that's no problem. You just go in and shuffle around and sit there and watch the birth. But I couldn't go, so I continued to wait. I walked up and down the waiting room. I even went outside. We brought our dog with us, and I played uh, catch with the dog, the cocker spaniel we have. I throw the ball, run. Away. I was waiting. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. Laurie was waiting too. She's going through labor. Waiting and waiting and wa- now her waiting was a little different from my waiting. But we kept waiting. And then finally it came. She came, our daughter. And we were filled with the joy that any parent experiences in having a brand new child in their life, the miracle of birth, and what it means to give life, and all the responsibility that goes with that. All the responsibility. There was an outpouring of love and thankfulness on my part and on Laurie's part for a good and a healthful baby. What's the first thing you do? Don't you count all the fingers and toes and make sure we got them all? You know, those are the first things you do. We had to wait for the details. Yeah, we got 10 and 10. We're all ready to go. How about you? How about you this Advent season? How are you going to wait for the birth of the Christ child? Are you going to wait with a blank stare? And Hey, listen, I've done this a lot of times before. Light the wreath. Light the tree. Give me my present. Let's go. Christmas is Christmas is Christmas. Are you going to wait with the excited, anticipating joy of a new parent? Waiting for the Christ child and all that he can do in your life And all that he can do in everybody's life. Are we going to wait? Are we just going to throw it away? Are we going to anticipate with joy? Or do you think you've been through this so many times that you know exactly what's going on? We're told that we have to wait. But how we wait And who we wait on makes all the difference in the world. Would you bow your heads with me?